Podcast, and today I am joined by a 2007 member of the World Championships team, a 2008 Olympic appearance, 2009 U.S. Balance Beam Silver Medalist, 2011 NCAA Balance Beam Championship and Team Silver Medalist, a 2012 NCAA Team Bronze Medalist, a 2015 NCAA All-Around Balance <laughs> Beam Champion, who is now a public speaker, an entrepreneur, a podcast host, I mean, Samantha, first of all, they told me in college that like my resume should be like one page. Yours might be a, a couple. We'll let it slide. I'm joined by, some, I'm joined by Samantha Pezcheck, UCLA alum. Samantha, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on this podcast and honestly just hang out for a bit. Yeah. So uh, Samantha, we got to take it back in time. I, I need you to give me the name of one of your favorite performances, maybe a trick that you did during an NCAA competition event or the Olympics. You know, I used to do this really difficult move on balance beam. It was a standing back tuck full. So let me explain it for you. So just break it out, break it out. Those that might not know beam and gymnastics, but a balance beam is only four inches wide. So imagine like the back of an iPhone, basically. That is how big a balance beam is. So I would do this skill. Yeah, I would do this skill that was one flip and one whole twist around. And it was extremely difficult, really quick. And then um, in elite gymnastics, I would do it right into another flip. And so I did a lot of combinations with that skill. And it was actually one of the most difficult skills. And it did it in my very last routine ever in 2015 to help me win that title. So that skill has always been, you know, near and dear to my heart. It's really difficult, but always one of my most favorite to perform. Gymnasts, you start, I mean, it feels like the, the elite gymnasts, they start from almost day one. Was this like a trick or something you've been working on literally since four or five or, or, or like at an incredibly early age? Probably not four or five. Um, I did start gymnastics when I was two. And I think by the age of five is when I told everyone I was going to go to the Olympics. I was always very committed, I would say. And, you know, when you're that age, you you don't know how difficult it's going to be. But that's when I started telling people I was going to go to the Olympics. But, um, you know, it was a difficult sport. It is a difficult sport. Uh, But I probably started learning that skill when I was maybe 12. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. Still young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, still incredibly young. And, and um, it's incredible how, like, you went to the Olympics and how had all this success, like, before you even reached college. Like, you know, for basketball, it's like you go to college and then even the best collegiate, even the, the top players in college, they don't sniff the Olympic team until they're a little bit older. It's incredible how that works in gymnastics. Yeah, it's, it's completely, I mean, to be honest, it's changing a little bit. Um, Simone being on the older side of the spectrum is uh, once again, you know, breaking barriers there and opening the door to allow 
athletes that are either currently in college or maybe even already graduated from college that want to still stay in gymnastics. So I think it's cool to watch that. I could not imagine my body, you know, uh, wasn't healthy enough for that. So I was lucky enough to find my success a little bit younger in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And, and mean, now, I mean, once again, the resume is just like a couple pages long. And I think I want to, where I want to start is public speaking and being, com being comfortable being in front of a camera. Where did you like, and I feel like this is like a muscle I've had to develop. Where did you first start to get super comfortable speaking on camera, public speaking, um, you know, talking to a larger audience? I feel like I've always been, I think to be in a sport like gymnastics where you're like performing and competing by yourself in front of lots of people, I think you just naturally have to be somewhat comfortable in front of other people or in front of the camera. Um, but when I was younger, my mom worked in the media and I remember being, I think 10 years old and the local paper called and asked if they could interview me. And to me, that was so cool that I was getting interviewed by the local media. And so my mom did like a, you know, fake media training with me and would ask me like questions that they might ask and we would get comfortable. And so I kind of started developing confidence through her and, you know, uh, kind of going back and forth of like, okay, if someone asks you, what, what's your goal? You know, don't just say, I want to hit four for four, or I want to hit all my events, or I want to do the best that I can, because that's not, you know, that interesting or whatever. And so she would help me kind of craft, um, answers in a way that I felt comfortable with. And it was also sharing what I wanted to share and not to be, you know, duped or gotcha by the media. So I feel like at a really young age, I would do a lot of practice interviews with my mom. Little Samantha in Indianapolis over the eating cereal in the morning. Your mother's <laughs> like, Samantha, what is your goal? Fake yeah. media training. I think like, <laughs> that's like the best way to do it, right? I mean, like who needs yeah. media school? Right, exactly. I mean, she was kind of in that world anyway, and it was something that she was doing with, with her job at the time. And so um, I, it was kind of like a joke at first, but then it's like every time, you know, I was 13, 14, started to get more media and more requests for interviews. And so um, I would always have her like, okay, practice on me, like give me some difficult questions. And yeah. so she would throw some difficult ones my way and kind of help me figure out um, a way to answer them that felt authentic and, you know, comfortable for me. And then, you know, transitioning, like for you to, to work with like ESPN, NBC, was there more media training there versus just your mom helping you out? No, you know, I've, wow. I've never really had any formal media training. After I graduated college, and I knew I wanted to pursue a career in sports broadcasting. Um, I did seek out a broadcasting coach, if you will. So okay. I would you know, commentate a meet at the very early stages of my career. And then I would uh, go to his office and we would watch the uh, meet back and he would pause it like every three seconds and was like, well, you know, what did you say? Why did you say that? That wasn't meaty enough of a sentence or, you know, that's inside gymnastics lingo. You have to explain that more. You know, if you say nice too many times, then nothing is nice. So it was, he was really tough in a good way where I feel like, you know, every time I had a session with him, I would learn a little bit more because, you know, as, as you know, too, Noah, that, you know, the world of podcasting, the world in media, it's not really a linear path. And, um, it's, not it's all. not something where you can just go to school and, you know, become a doctor, become a lawyer, something like that. So you really have to have the hustle and the proactiveness to be a student of whatever industry you're in.
you don't have to share with uh, you specifically, but like, how much does a a broadcasting coach cost? Like, how, like, where do the, where do we find that on Craigslist? Like, I feel like that's I, such a niche niche sort of like thing, right? It is, and you know what? It was it was really interesting because um, I was reaching out to agents, and they were you know, turning me down if, if, in the nicest way possible, but they were like, here, I want to help you out. So they would connect me with, um, this guy who taught it in college or at a grad program or something that I didn't have time to be enrolled in. So I don't even think that it was his, it, it wasn't his main job, but he was kind of just doing it as a favor for me. But obviously as a poor struggling post-grad student, I barely had any money. So for me to like put even a little bit towards, this extracurricular work that I didn't even know wow. it would pay off. That was a lot for me. Wow. Well, wait, that, that's, that's what I call investing in yourself and doubling down. No, that's, yeah. that's, uh, it's very impressive. And, and I'm sure it's helped you with one of the other things that you've been up to, which is I'm talking to a fellow podcast host right here. Uh, and, <laughs> I, and, I, and I want to plug, I have Cool Friends Podcast founded by Samantha. Why did you start it? Um, and sort of what you, what is your vision for your podcast? Well, I mean, gosh, such a loaded question. I'm like thinking back all, all of these, you know, whereabouts and, and why I wanted to start this podcast. And for starters, I, similar to you is I wanted to just be a student of all of these amazing people that were experts in what they did. I've always been fascinated by experts in their field um, and things that I know nothing about. Like I've had a dream manipulator on my podcast because I'm really fascinated by dreaming. And so just hearing what his research and studies and data show about dreams was truly fascinating. And then I always brag about my friends to my other friends. I'm like, oh my gosh, I met this amazing person. They're this, this, this. They're like so smart. They're so knowledgeable. And so when I was thinking about a name for a podcast, I came up with all these you know, names that were fine. And then, um, I started wrestling with the fact of I have cool friends. And I told one of my, uh, girlfriends this name for the idea and her immediate response was like, you always say that. And so it's just kind of a catchphrase that I have in my normal life of like bragging about my friends. And so if I think that they're really cool, I would love to, you know, share their knowledge and share them with so many other people out there, because I think that, you are the person that you surround yourself with. So if you can surround yourself with people that are you know, happier and more successful and more fulfilled, then you naturally are going to be all those things as well. I mean, I'm going to go brag to my friends that I had Samantha Petrick on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know what I mean? No, I, I, I like the name. I really do. I think it's a really <laughs> good podcast name. Um, Thank you. And I'm, and I'm surprised like no one else took that name. It's a, it's, it's a Thank great you. podcast name. I um, think so too. Uh, there was a lot yeah. of haters um, in my in my corner about the name for a long time, and I was like, "Nope." You know what? If there's one thing I am sure about, this is going to be the name for the podcast. So, what were the what were the haters okay. saying? They were just like, eh, "I think that there's something that you could pick that's a little bit more definitive of what you're talking about." And I'm like, nope, this is it. The root of it is friendship. It's not networking. It's not you know all these other things. The root of it is friends or a friend of a friend or, you know, things like that. So, um, it's always, it just stuck, man. The, the haters can keep sipping their hater aid, but, but yeah, exactly. I, I, exactly. it make you know, it, it made sense to me, you know, when I first, you know, discovered that. Um, so a lot of people, Samantha have been asking me like, Noah, how do I start a podcast? Where do I begin? Samantha, do you, I mean, obviously can answer, but so can you. 
if I want to get into podcasting, mm-hmm. like tangibly, like what are the first steps for me starting, do you think? Brainstorming the vision for what you want it to become. Um, for me, it was sharing knowledge and, and you know, elevating everyone's everyday life, you know, in the easiest way possible of just interesting, unique, and fun um, conversations. But I think brainstorming of like, okay, do you want, the, are you a comedian? Like, what's your brand? Yeah. And who, what kind of guests do you want on the show? How long do you want it to be? Do you want it to be like the nine minute ones? Do you want it to be the three hour Huberman ones? You know, like what is your style of podcasting and what do you think is, is manageable to continue? Um, because as you know, consistency is, is key with anything you do, but especially with podcasts. And so I think step one is really just taking time to, I call it a vision board, but vision boarding what your podcast is going to be like. Then maybe after that comes the name and then kind of, you know, sleeping on what are your colors? What's your brand? Um, and then, you know, finally is kind of like, okay, what equipment do I get? And am I going to use a team? Am I going to teach myself how to cut the episodes myself? And so I think that there's just a few different ways of, of going about starting a podcast, but step one is always the vision. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did not follow those directions when I, when I first started. Out. No, not at you all. I was like, I was like, let me just interview my buddies who happen to play <laughs> sports. So we'll just talk about some random shit and we'll figure it out. That I should have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did not stick to the to the code. But I I, I um I have an even more grassroots approach to approach to this. So oh, if man. someone were to, if someone were to ask me like, how do you start a podcast? Uh, and in and I'm speaking from someone I'm relatively still new to the podcast game. Yeah. I believe I believe you are relatively not new but um fresh into the game until you get to like 100 episodes. Um because most people like podcasting is one of the easiest barrier to en- barriers to entry in media because mm-hmm. you actually don't need any equipment if you, like at, at a very like low level. Yeah. Um but once you get to 100 episodes it's amazing like the drop off of of how many podcasters have not gotten to that point yet, including yeah. my including myself. And so the when I started, and and for those listening, like I went on Amazon, I bought a forty dollar mic, um, I hit record on Zoom. After the Zoom was over, I put it into GarageBand, um, would edit it in GarageBand, and then you can create an account for free on Spotify and put and then after you cut the episode download it and put it into Spotify and you literally have a podcast <laughs> I, I mean it's like, it's like that's true so basically what you're saying is pretty synonymous to life right there's just a million different ways to get to the same destination you did it one way I did it another way I'm sure that there's probably six other ways of doing things <laughs> but yeah. there's, if you want to just start then just start that's that's totally cool and, and I think, Samantha, it's like so many people like feel like there's a fence or there's this key they need to unlock their first podcast episode. And it's so funny because it's like, bro, just hop on Zoom and hit That's record. That, that That's a, a podcast. podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you – your first episode of I Have yeah. Cool Friends, what was your equipment set up like? Did you, did you have the whole nine yet? You know what? I I did. I was not really wanting to start a podcast. I just felt like it was a world I knew nothing about. Um, 
I was reluctant to, I was, I wasn't comfortable speaking about other things other than, you know, sports and like my actual job, but my, you know, broadcast coach was like, I think that's going to be great practice for you. My, I had like a business coach at the time and she was like, I think that this is perfect. It kind of like, you know, culminates all of your interests into one. And it just, it, it helps your brand be a little bit more well-rounded. So all these people were kind of like really pushing for this. And then the following week I was at a networking thing in LA and met this guy who happened to be a podcast producer. And I'm like, oh. oh, I didn't even know that that was a thing. And so I was just kind of picking his brain and he was like, I think you really have something here. And so long story short, I started working with his team and he kind of, you know, got, got me all set up and things like that. So I went the, the route of, it was definitely the more expensive route, but I was a little busy with my other careers that I didn't have time to teach myself all the grassroots like, like you did. Um, right. So I really jumped in at, at a, you know, I also knew that for me to be committed, I knew that if it cost a lot of money and it took a lot of time and there was a lot of other people involved in a team, I wouldn't want to let the team down. So for me right. too, it was like that buy-in of having a team for my own accountability as well. And also like at that time, like you've accomplished a lot of things, you've had an audience, like I think it makes a lot, it makes a lot of sense for you to sort of get sorted with a team before you begin. Um, yeah. You know, for me... <laughs> Like, no one gave a shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was just, you know, I had nothing to lose, right? Like, I didn't think anyone yeah. was going to listen to it. You know what I mean? So, um, and look no, at no. you now. Well, we're still, we're still, we're still working, but I got <laughs> the fact that you're here chatting with me on the podcast. It's definitely a sign that we're, we're trending in the right direction. So, yeah, yeah, um, definitely. You know, where do you see yourself with, in terms of the I Have Cool Friends podcast? Yeah. Um, you know, where, how do you want to grow that? Like in a perfect world, do you want to, you know, become sort of the, the Joe Rogan of your niche and, and sort of put that on the map? Or is it, is it going to be more of sort of a pastime for you? Like, where do you, where does this fall in the ethos of your life for people? Cause podcasts is like, some people are going full time. Some people love doing it as a hobby. You know, where do you fall into place? Where do you fall there? I would love to, to do it full time, honestly. I mean, right now, just, it's funny. I think when you graduate college and, and some people know what they want to do and some people don't, some people think they might know what they want to do and that it changes. And, um, you know, luckily for me, when I graduated, I had all these different ideas of things that I wanted to do. Um, but we all have only a limited amount of time each day. And so I was watering all these, you know, careers, if you will, that I didn't know were going to pan out. And I assuming that one would kind of you know, shine and, and shake up the rest. And what happened was they all started to grow, which, you know, blessing and a curse, right? And so now I think my biggest hurdle in life is like, how do I balance all of the things that I really love to do? Like, I love my business. I love, yes. you know, sports broadcasting, but I also love podcasting. So how can I like seasonally plan where one season, this is my focus, one season, this is my focus, one season, but keep 
the plates all spinning all year round. So I think for me on a personal note, that's the biggest obstacle because I do love podcasting. Like every time I finish an episode recording and whether I'm a guest or whether I'm, you know, leading the interview, I leave and I'm like, God, I, that was so fun. Like I really enjoy, I was, I enjoy listening to podcasts. I really enjoy just conversation in general out in the street. And of course in this setting too. So it's something that uh, is important for me to bring back into my life. Well, I look forward to seeing a I Have Cool Friends podcast episode inside yep. the building of the Queen Bean Boot Camp because we have to <laughs> we have to cover, you know, what you've been up to there. Samantha, was this you wanting to give back to the sport that got you to where you are today? Or can you walk us through the, the inspiration for Queen Bean Boot Camp and, and what it specifically is? Gosh, it goes back to like me not really knowing what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster, but like didn't really know how to start. Um, I coached other camps in college, like all throughout summer. I would hop from camp to camp to camp to camp to camp. And I loved a lot of it. And there was a lot that I didn't love. And so when I was graduating, I'm like, gosh, what can I do to give back to the sport that gave me so much? And right. I used to have a lot of fear, uh, specifically on balance beam. And then I ended up teaching it myself how to make it my favorite event and my best event. And so I'm like, how can I like go back in my brain and think like, how was I able to do that? And so I did a lot of reflection and um, was like, you know what? I think I have something here. It's never been done before in our sport to create a, a camp, a boot camp for just one event. Cause usually there's four events in gymnastics. And so I'm like, this could be a home run or a huge flop. You know, we'll see basically. And so, uh, the underlying theme is confidence, which I think that gymnastics and, and sports in general are just a really great tool to teach kids life lessons and specifically with balance beam because it's so scary and, uh, there's a lot of skills and you have to have a lot of inner confidence to do well on the event. And so we have a whole rotation of confidence training. Um, wow. And so we did our very first event and I just was thinking that we would do one a year as like a fun thing. And after my first event, I had emails from gyms in 23 different states and three different countries asking for us to come and do an event there. And so I was Whoa. like, okay, I think, I think I like have something here. So we did a few more that year and then it was growing exponentially, but really I decided to like be full time in it from what I committed was just a couple of years ago. And now I have a, a couple team members, um, full time team members. And we just finished a summer. We did 25 events in three and a half months. Wow. So it's a lot. We have an online program. We have um, online apparel, a shop that we have all custom items. So it's merchandising. It's a online platform and uh, an on-demand library of videos to help you know motivate and inspire young gymnasts uh, in and out of the gym. And then we also have our our camp. So it's it's full time for sure. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it sounds full time. So the majority of this is remote. It's online based. Yes, except for three and okay. a half months in the summer. And then it's just like events, 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 events. And, and the events, do you have a, a central location? Or are you guys using other gyms to, to host your camp? We use other gyms. So they basically okay. email us or fill out an application saying they're interested in hosting. Um, our goal is to get to all 50 states. We have hit 35 states, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just, we, we, we do like an East coast leg. So flew to Pennsylvania, then drove to New York, drove to Connecticut and Vermont. So we try to like drive as much as possible. 
um, to certain locations, but uh, yeah, it's we've gone international. We've done an event in Australia, so that's that's fun, um, and it's just curriculum that we continue to want to grow and. I never felt handicapped being a girl or being a woman. And I think in a large part, one is how my parents raised me, but two, I think is because of sports and that drive to be able to stand up after you fall a million times. And so if I could pass that along to young girls growing up, I mean, that to me is such a really important life skill. I just see a giant pink RV uh, Queen Bean Boot Camp, driving on the Northeast, like, please tell me that's that's in the roadmap, right? Like, I love this, this grassroots approach of, of driving to different states. Can we expect a, a giant pink RV to, to go to these various gyms? You know, if, if anybody out here is listening that has a sponsorship to uh, <laughs> an RV or a tour bus for Bean Queen Boot Camp, um, that would be amazing. We can you know, tour around, we call it a tour or summer tour. So yeah, if we legit had a bus, I mean, that would just carry on top. Oh my gosh. That's, that's awesome. And from the camper's perspective, I'm called camper. Mm. If I yeah. sign up for in-person queen bean boot camp mm-hmm. in Vermont or, or Texas or whatever, can you take me through purchasing your, your seat at the camp versus, and then like, what do you expect when you're at the camp? What takes mm-hmm. place? Yeah, well, you, you got to sign up quick because most of our <laughs> events are sold out with like 100 people on the wait list. So I would wow. say that's like our biggest critique is that um, people just can't get in, which we're working on how to fix that. It's a good problem to have, I guess. But um, we do want to try and work with as many people as possible. So we're always really bummed with we have a really big wait list because that means like there's a lot of athletes that wanting to work on this and, and can't, but um, once they come, there's a registration process. Sometimes we have a DJ, sometimes we have a photo shoot opportunity for the gymnasts. Um, they always come decked out. They put, you know, temporary tattoos on lots of glitter in their, in their hair and they always come decked out, but it's two days and it's four hours each day. And we do everything that I think encompasses what it would take to be a really great beam worker, which are the same qualities that I believe help you to be successful in life. So that confidence training is is really important and positive self-talk. And and we talk a lot about just the things that would help you on the event. So in my opinion, um, three things to get you over fears are goal setting, visualization, and positive self-talk. Now you could literally take those three components and apply them to any sport or really anything in life. And I think that those are three really important qualities to help you be successful in what you're doing. So we're hopefully teaching them that, you know, as a sport that breeds those type A personalities, yes, that's great to goal set and to, you know, be disciplined and do all of that. But you know what? You can also give yourself grace. You can have fun. You can, you know, give yourself a pep talk when you need it. So we're also trying to really focus on those important characteristics as well. That's amazing that you guys really stress sort of the the self-talk, the confidence building. I think it's so important. And I think once again, like mental health and and, and just confidence, but that's another, like I keep saying, like a muscle that needs to be developed. And um, it's great that you guys are working with that alongside, you know, the physical side of things. Clearly that's one of the elements of your camp from an entrepreneur's perspective, right? Making sure in these two days that these kids are getting the most out of their experience. What have you learned about literally structuring a camp? 
like there's a lot of moving parts. Nothing like goes your way. Like you're you already you already know you have something you know top of mind. Like what have you learned about structuring these camps successfully? Listen, I'm laughing because when I first had this idea to do this camp, um, you know, (laughs) I didn't know what it meant to run a business. I didn't even think I was starting a business. I was just putting this camp together. And so it's like sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And um, (laughs) when I when I went to start this, I was kind of insecure, like who who's going to like go to this camp run by this 25 year old, you know, who's going to like take this girl seriously. And so the ironic part about me starting beam queen bootcamp is that I was doing everything opposite of what I was teaching these kids to do. And I remember being in like my really small apartment in Santa Monica with like no money brainstorming this and kind of like giving talking negatively to myself about like you know i'm not smart enough to do this i just graduated from ucla with a 4.0 and i was very hard on myself of like i didn't go to business school so how would i know i didn't you know and so i remember just sitting there like thinking and just started laughing of like all the things that a i learned as an athlete and b i'm trying to help these kids are the opposite of what i'm doing to myself right now and so i just started laughing and i was like okay i need to practice what i preach and like you know wake up each day and it's it's natural to have negative thoughts or to have insecurities but it's like how do you bounce back from that right and so instead of just allowing that negative voice in my head i started being like okay if i don't think i'm smart enough yet what do i need to learn what do i need to learn to make myself feel like i'm capable of running this successful camp and so instead of being so hard on myself i decided to become a student of business and and put myself through a little mini business school and um i think that was the best thing that that ever could have happened to me is is doing my own research and work on what i think would be successful in the space after you've done your research and um after the first few camps like like can we go back to like the first after the first couple camps like what was what what was like the biggest thing you're like whoa this needs to be adjusted asap yeah, gosh, there were, there, I mean, so many things. Like I was doing a lot manually because I didn't, I didn't know what, like you don't go to college and learn systems and processes and like which management software is going to be the best for you. What, what's a management software to begin with? Right. You know, right, like, CRM, what, yeah. yeah, what, what does that even mean? And so, um, <laughs> right. for, for me, like the very first event that I did, I think I had almost all Olympians on staff. And so I just used star power, which happened to be my cool friends, by the way, they kind of were the driving force of people just wanting to meet them. And then once people came to the event and they were like, oh, wow, this is a completely unique way of learning the sport of gymnastics and also learning life skills. And then they wanted to come back. So we really didn't spend any marketing money. And it was kind of like a speakeasy in a way of the gymnastics world. Like, if you know, you know, and I like it that way because we're not the ones like being really loud and doing all this. It's like, oh, if you stumble upon us, come check it out. If not, like, I encourage you to chat with someone that's been to our event and get their experience because I think that that's the best way of marketing anything, whether it's, you know, your podcast or the business or the product you have is like, okay, is someone going to try it and then talk highly of it? Great. There you go. If not, like you're not the right audience anyway, and and that's okay too. Um, But I think that was the important thing of figuring out like, okay, I did two events what's the next step? What do, where do I even want this to grow? Because yeah. I was just thinking we were going to do one. And so I'm like, okay, whoa, there's a really big demand for this. You thought it was going to be a one-off? Yeah. I mean, I didn't even have a website. 
I didn't have anything. I, did, I truly did wow. not have anything because I just thought it was going to be one a year. It was like in my head, like, oh, this would be cool to like throw one Beam Queen boot camp a year. And it's like this fun thing. And, you know, now we have 25 events in a year and there's still almost every single one has a wait list of more than 100 people. So there wow. is a big demand for that, which has wow. kind of been fun for Booming. me to navigate. Yeah. Wow. So, Samantha, if my child was interested in attending Queen yeah. Bee Boot Camp, where is the best place to go to, to find more information? Um, so we have a website called Beam Queen Boot Camp. Um, or, I mean, what I always tell people is like, if you're reluctant or you have questions, we have a YouTube channel as well. And so there are recaps from the events. There's kind of behind the scenes of our staff to get to know us better. Or an easy way of just like getting to know us is downloading our free app. So we have an app that um, if you're a member of our online platform called The Club, then you unlock all of the content on there. But we have a free section. So you can just like try it for free. We have a live wow. digital event that you can check out. We have quick tips from Olympians. So if you just want to check it out, you can do a lot of things to learn more about Beam Queen Bootcamp for free right on the app or social media as well. Beam Queen Bootcamp. There you go. There you have it. Yeah. There we go. Well, this has been this has been amazing. This has been an amazing episode with Samantha Pezcheck, Olympic gymnast, broadcaster, founder, podcast host. Check out Queen Bee Boot Camp. <laughs> Samantha, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you.